Welcome to the Noble 8 Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today, the first of a series of podcasts that are going to be recorded in a relatively short amount of time, however they will probably extend into the future. I thought rather than waste time with regards to what's going on currently, I would record the initial podcast as being the discussion with regards to what's going on, why there haven't been so many podcasts, various compartments of the Noble 8 development and other artificial life-related stuff, and then I would get into the kind of nitty-gritty topics in future podcasts so as just to have a kind of placeholder basically to discuss what has gone on up until now and then allow me to do my relative speculative ramblings with regards to a number of topics in the podcasts following. My wife has been studying full-time for I think probably the past eight months so finding podcasting time has always been prefaced in fighting times when my wife is not in the house primarily because when she's studying and working on essays and doing these kind of things I don't like recording podcasts. My wife jokes that I have a particular podcasting voice which only comes out for these ape reality of biota.org podcasts. However, you know, I'm just out of respect for her studying. I've tried to keep the podcasting to times when she's not in the house. Hence my ability over the next week to record a number of podcasts. It's also given me a good amount of time to think and I think the best podcasts that have come through the feed have been ones that I've actually reflected on. Most recently I think the Flow one in particular gave some indication that I do actually think about these topics in a kind of slightly organised format and it's probably better than the shorter more rambling podcast so I'm going to aim to make slightly longer podcasts in the next few just to get all my talking done in some regard. There have been so many things going on over the past couple of months and I'm going to start with the website even though it's out of order in the notes that I've written primarily because the breakdown in the previous Noble Ape website was just the kind of last straw basically with regards to the end of last month. I cancelled doing the mail out. I was going to do a, another podcast mail out. But there had been so many things to accumulate and so many things I couldn't actually talk about, which is what's going to make this podcast particularly interesting because on a number of the issues I'm going to discuss briefly, I really can't talk too much about them, but I'm going to muse about that slightly. So the website going down and just the kind of cumulative problems of the previous web hosts added together to make something that was not particularly inviting to do anything bar find a new web host. And long-time listener to this podcast, John P. Daigle, occasional correspondent, occasional muser that has required podcasts to be recorded, stepped up to the plate, and I'm using his web hosting company currently. So I don't like advertising for web hosts, particularly because of my previous experience. But why don't we say a year from today, I will start advertising the quality of service. Why don't we do that? So what I have now is a very, very thin server in terms of the Noble Ape site. I've pulled a lot of old links, a lot of dead links, a lot of links that should have been dead long ago. And then everything is being channeled through for the heavier stuff through biota.org which apparently shares a server with America's Army which is a video game that the American military uses so I'm assuming that the server is bomb proof so the website is like a thin facade that is with John P. Daigle's web hosting company and then the rest of it is all biota.org underneath. Speaking of biota.org as with my reduction in podcasts in terms of ape reality I've also reduced the biota.org podcast. I have two 30 minute podcasts kind of queued up with Gerald de Jong which require five editing. I've really been in a very reflective mood with regards to podcasts recently and the last biota.org conversation with Gerald is really part of that. Due to the benefits of Skype the conversations t- a time sink out almost an entire question in some sections and it is very 
very, very strange editing because you really need to keep in the back of your mind, is this an answer to the last question or a discussion with regards to the last point? And all that just gave me a big headache. So I have about an hour's worth of audio that I'm planning on editing down in the near future to two probably 20-minute podcasts. And apologies to Gerald for not putting these podcasts out. My real issue with this, and it's gone along in parallel to having these on my hard disk, because I've been trying to get possibly one, possibly more interviews slash chats slash conversations with Creatures developer, Cyberlife founder Steve Brand, who is now in the US. I've been in communication with Steve, I think, on and off for probably the last three months with regards to doing some biota inspired chats that are recorded and then put in the biota feed. It's something that I've wanted to do for a number of years. I've wanted to have the opportunity to chat with Steve on a number of issues for a number of years and so it's kind of built up luxury which I feel with regards to all these kind of folk that were maybe with Steve Norton the first generation of artificial life development but certainly well defining the second generation I think his experiences with cyber life were in some way in such opposition to the contemporary open source model and offer, I think, a number of critiques, which you've already heard briefly if you've heard the biota.org conversations with regards to open source. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with Steve, and my hope is that I can either interpolate the Steve Chat podcast or podcasts with the remaining Gerald podcasts, and I've tweezer out the problems with time, which is just a real issue with regards to the style of podcasting, that if you're both recording and you send each other the recordings, the time overlays aren't always good. It's a real thing with Skype that particularly if it's localized recording and you can draw the diagram and work out the time syncing yourself but all these things kind of add up so that's the reason that the biota.org related feed has remained relatively quiet over recent weeks in part through anticipation of the Steve Grand chat but it also kind of begs the question what actually happens after the Gerald chat goes out and the Steve Grand chat goes out what what is left for the biota feed well there are a couple of directions I've been thinking on quite seriously. The first is going for people who are quite successful but not immediately associated with artificial life. Freeman Dyson was top of my list. And then I heard an interview with Rodney Brooks on the Talking Robots podcast. And it occurred to me that he would be also be a very interesting fellow to talk about in terms of very pragmatic AI, which I think is really going to be the, you know, the new defining area for artificial life is actually looking at this highly pragmatic AI, intelligent agent, independent intelligent agent entities, and using the kind of evolutionary component in some regard, but also the very Spencerian natural selection that must occur in order to produce evolving intelligence models. And I think this is something that artificial life really can be a part of. It's always fascinated me, particularly moving the site. Whenever I move the site, I have to go back and look at the histories with regards to who's linking in and what pages they're linking to. And when I first started developing Noble Ape, and these people still hold this view to this day, there are a group of kind of first-generation artificial life purists that believe it is solely cellular automata and intelligent agent. Artificial life simulations are just the devil, you know. They will never be part of their view of artificial life. And the very conservative kind of first-generation view of artificial life is so completely opposed to the evolving intelligence model of artificial life that it is really, if the evolving intelligence part is is like the fourth generation, the movement from intelligent agents in a simulated environment into something that is even more, then the folk that are still stuck in the first generation primitive cellular automata view of artificial life and, and nothing more. It is purely 
that. It is no logical progression. It is no series of other things. They're really going to be left out in the conversation. They were very, very prevalent when I first started developing Noble Ape, and it is really curious looking back at the sites that are historically still there, and their choices not to link through to Noble Ape early on as an artificial life simulation. It's kind of a political history in some regard with regards to artificial life that I always find very fascinating, that there are people that early on in the Noble Ape development didn't believe that it was artificial life, and most of these people continue on this view to this day. I think when I was interviewing Matthias Romans or something like that, he was a fellow I interviewed in a text version, he had a relatively conservative view with regards to the progression of artificial life and didn't think any of his intelligent agent simulations had anything really to do with artificial life. But I think he was still in a kind of second generation move where there was kind of evolutionary genetics as part of the cellular automata. But it's all very fuzzy and convoluted. I'm going to record an entire podcast in the series with regards to the popular perception of what artificial life is. And really it's going to be a running theme through some of these podcasts primarily because aside from all the other things I've been working on I've also been trying to find an agent for my book on artificial life which is the current part of the process I'm sticking to New York currently my both my parents have published books both of them have published I think more than nine books each my mother and considerably more diverse set of areas than my father, even bridging into children's books and things like that. But both our experiences come through not having the right... Well, in my father's case, he was always publishing academic works. He continues to publish academic works. And really, that's a different kind of publication. So I think my father has been uh, quite successful in his particular area. And to a certain extent, my mother has as well. But they've never achieved a state, which I look back on spending time with Doug Rushkov, where writing can be your profession. And what fascinated me with Doug Rushkov in particular was that writing became his profession because he was very successful in the agents that he picked initially and they were able to kind of motivate and step him through Siberia obviously a classic time but they were able to step him through and make sure that he had sources of income that were solely derived on his kind of writing thinking and intellectual merit a kind of privatized view of what academia is in some regard and this model always ran in, in stark contrast in parallel to my parents own experiences my mother in particular in terms of her books being fundamentally plagiarized by US and Canadian authors, in particular Canadian author with one of her children's books that they were able to enter the US market and, and profit very heavily. So this has always been a, a kind of background to my own interest in writing, that if I'm going to write it needs to be successfully through an agent in some regard, and particularly a New York agent. And I feel so strongly, as you might understand through listening to these podcasts, with regards to the presentation of artificial life, that my interest is to be popularist as opposed to be academic in certainly my initial discussion because I think the thing that's really lacking in artificial life currently is a good popular understanding but similarly the kind of numbers and interest that uh, maybe I'm naive I mean my view in growing up and reading artificial life treaties with these books were part of the kind of popular culture I think I'll probably talk a little bit more about that when these things get solidified it's very difficult to talk about these things while they're kind of in transit I have a relatively solid idea that the methods I'm putting out in this book could, could reach out to a, a, a broader public audience and certainly be considerably more successful than the various methods that I use to kind of reinforce the community, things like this podcast for example but also releasing software to a kind of ever-diminishing group in some regard. So I think a, a good popularist book is exactly what Artificial Life needs right about now and it's a, a project that is ongoing it's something that I believe very passionately about and something which ultimately may mean that I reduce doing a lot of other things in order to actually get it completed I might stop doing frequent podcasts 
podcasts, if you can believe that I've been doing frequent podcasts up until now, and just concentrate relatively heavily on producing a book, because I think it's the next thing that is necessary in order to get an official life moving forward. I think the community is relatively strengthened. It's just a matter of kind of communicating the community that is the next part. I'm looking through my list of things to talk about, and it's come to Apple, Intel, and Apple's WWDC 2007. This has been an ongoing thing. I would talk about this now, because really it was three weeks ago that I was investing most of my time in this, and it may have taken a little bit of podcasting time, because I certainly put in the extra hours when my wife was out of the apartment, into working on getting a new version of Noble Ape Simulation onto Apple's chug toolkit primarily. The work with Intel had already gone on. A remarkably successful Intel engineer. I'm a big fan of Justin Landon, but he stepped aside and I was dealing with, I think his name is Michael Wee, uh, W-I. And he basically uh, did a lot of amazing stuff. I mean, you know, you stand on the back of giants with regards to this kind of development. And really all he did was add, I think, probably four, maybe eight lines of code. But he certainly confirmed that the Intel side of things was working right. There is a strange kind of plume in the new code when you switch between scalar and vector processing. But all this has kind of put off the discussion I've had with regards to adding events to the simulation. But it's all looking very positive. I know, well, as much as one can know, I think that Intel will do a solid demonstration with Noble Ape. And I kind of get a sneaking feeling that Apple might as well. I don't know a lot about it. I know what I was asked to put in. I was asked to keep that quiet, so I'm not going to talk much more about that. Aside from the fact that it could be Noble Apes year. I mean, every WWDC is really Noble Apes year in some regard. I think there was one quiet one over the past three years, maybe three or four years. Yeah, maybe three out of four years I think Noble Ape has been pretty strong at WWDC. My whole view with regards to open source has changed quite dramatically recently in doing these set of changes, actually, and in corresponding with folks at Apple. And I'm going to actually record a podcast in this new series on that specifically. Bar to say I'm really in a, a confused state with regards to the previous narrative that I put in these podcasts on open source because so many positive things have really come through the past few weeks and I kind of, oh, in some degree, am re-evaluating a lot of my previous narrative, although it is in no way a mainstream open source discussion. It, it never is, and it's always being juxtaposed by the likes of Steve Grant's creations and Cyberlife and his experiences there. So I think I've ticked all boxes bar Rudolf Nico Penikoff, who has been a new correspondent, coming from Cheryl Jung Fluidium, and I think he's played with Darwin bots as well. He discovered Noble Ape. Apparently, he takes long drives. I always like hearing about how folks listen to the podcast, and apparently, my biota ramblings and Noble Ape ramblings have come through in these long drives. I've recommended the Talking Robots podcast to him as well. He's been sending me a few really dense emails, and it, it kind of gives me flashbacks to Melek Qtash's emails in some regard, because I, I see a lot of focused energy on the way things should be, which is always fascinating to me. I'm a closet idealist forced pragmatist with regards to a lot of this. So I like receiving correspondence from folks, new folks that have gotten something out of the uh, Ape Reality podcast, and certainly it seems like a considerable bit from from biota.org as well. He is getting a Noble Ape t-shirt being sent to him in the near future. I've had a large shipment of Noble Ape t-shirts arrive recently, so I'm going to parcel them off while my wife is away. This has been the first of a series of hopefully not quite as rambling podcasts, but I thought I should record an update with regards to all these components and then get into the meat and veg. Now the soup is over. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.